Hello, everyone. My name is Rafal, and I would like to welcome everybody to my Headshot Photography podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Julian Ferreira. He is, first of all, amazing photographer. We're going to dive into we're going to dive into his work a little bit later, but he's also co-owner of the camera store, which is the candy store for all the photographers <laughs> in, in Calgary. Um, one of my favorite place to shop, um, little story. Um, Julian sold me my first camera since I moved to Canada and that's how I become photographer so kudos to you that you that was a while ago this nikon f100 <laughs> almost 20 years ago which yeah. you know a long time ago but i have to say um i admire you because you basically started my career in in canada and that's how this whole thing started for me uh we've known each other for quite a bit and um, yeah, thank you for joining this podcast. And I'm super excited to have you. And um, we're going to have a lot of, lot of interesting things to talk about. You're welcome. I'm very glad to be here. It's, it's great. Uh, absolutely. So let me start with asking you how this whole thing started for you, this whole photography journey. And I would like to kind of split this question to two separate ones. One your photography journey, because you've been photographer for a long, long time. Um, I will show a little bit later uh, your work because I want to dive in a little bit more deeper into this. But also, you are co-owner of the camera store. So you are really close to the retail world. You've seen all the transitions from the film to digital. Um, so if you could tell me a little bit more about that, how this whole thing started. And it seems like you guys have been extremely successful because a lot of those businesses in Calgary and I think um, around the world, they just basically died and, you know, they, they don't exist anymore. And yeah. you guys have been doing something extraordinary to, you know, keep the community um pushing this this photography business to the next level you you guys have been supporting photographers in calgary and i'm sure um everywhere else so i would like to kind of ask you about how this whole journey started with you boy that's a both both long topics okay <laughs> but yeah i mean basically i started off uh, as a 16 year old uh, my dad was into photography and uh, bought my uh, first uh, um, slr which was a, an old russian zenit back in england okay. and uh, my dad and i uh, set up a darkroom i had we had one when i was a baby and he had packed it up as i grew up and then we so we uh, we started that all up again and uh, started taking pictures together and um, before i know it i uh, I started uh, helping in a in a freelance photography lab that was a press agency in our town uh, back mm -hmm. in Lincoln, England, mm -hmm. and um, started doing some of their uh, their darkroom work. And uh, when I graduated, uh, they put me uh, through um, uh, through college um, to do photography, and uh, I freelanced in there in the evenings and weekends and stuff. And, and that kind of got my photo career uh, mm -hmm. career going. Um, but then it took a little spin. Uh, my father decided he wanted to work in uh, in Canada, not in England anymore. And um, I resisted for about uh, almost a year and then decided to come out and, and join him. And uh, 
and uh, then started a, a new life in Canada. Uh, back as a young man uh, in my twenties, but that was uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Perfect. So, how long you've been here in Canada? And then, like, as soon as you you came to Canada, you become photographer right away, or you've been doing something else? Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience because back then I was pretty much uh, had my mindset on being a freelance. Uh, uh, press photographer okay. um, you know we I lived in, in Lincoln which is sort of uh, uh, upper midlands of, of England so we're pretty central and uh, I mean I used to be able to freelance for for London newspapers for uh, uh, anything uh, I mean there's hundreds of papers back then mm-hmm. and um, whatever was happening in our corner of the world we used to shoot and decide who wanted the pictures and who was willing to pay them or what assignments were out in our area and stuff like that uh, when I came to Canada, it was very different. There was one newspaper here, one newspaper in Edmonton, and uh, that seemed to be it. So I sort That's of stood here. Going, oh, I guess I should have planned that out better. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, what am I going to do to 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 survive besides live with my dad? <laughs> um, so, um, and obviously, not knowing the the language, not knowing anybody here, freelancing was uh, event or. You know, freelancing of any kind was was going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So uh, ironically, I started work in um, in a uh, uh, Eden's cameras department in South mm-hmm. Center, and um, that was a relatively new model way back then. That was forty, oh gosh, forty two, forty three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, but I found I was really good at selling cameras, and uh, and I actually enjoyed it. So I ended up doing that for. Oh gosh, it had to be about three, four years. Oh wow! Okay. And, um, and and my freelance business got bigger and bigger. Not so much the press part of it, but uh, you know, a lot of a lot of weddings, a lot of portraits, a lot of just mm-hmm. general stuff. Yeah, and uh, I think we all go through that process. Everyone who is starting into photography, it's yes. starting with with weddings, some portraits, and then that's how this whole thing kind of unfolds with the time. It seems to be right because everyone you know, um, you know, once they once they get to know you, they like to, or they like your images. There, um, you know, they usually want, hey, you know what? Can you shoot my whatever yes. in the blank? You know, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You, you start down that road, and, and that's yeah. how it grows. And I think back in the days, you know, like everyone who had some little bit more expensive camera, like automatically you become like a professional photographer. Like nowadays. It's a little bit of a different story, but um, we have actually similar stories because my dad was a photographer too. And you know what is oh, yeah? also interesting that like everyone who I talked to over the last few years, they have some kind of like influence from parents, like everyone. That's yeah. how this whole thing gets kind of like put in our blood. And, and like in my case, like my dad didn't allow me to kind of use his camera, which was kind of like... Oh, yeah tragic because i was just like so desperate just to put my hands on it it was so yeah. expensive i remember he he bought this uh practica i don't know if you remember those ones oh yes i remember them i had the same mount as my zenit yes pretty much <laughs> and he drove like all the way down to germany to pick that up like saving of of his life wow. brought this back and he cherished this camera like you know like you know like sometimes people like cherish the cars, you know, they, they yeah, polish yeah. it, they want to keep it clean. They, they, they look after it. So that's, and he was just using it for special occasions. The same thing. We had like a dark room, 
which also was kind of fascinating. Like, but at some point yes. he had a friend, which is also a sad story. Um, and they were like sharing information, you know, sharing some knowledge. And his son, my, my, my dad's friend's son, he drank some of the chemicals and he lost vision. Oh, God. Yeah. And my mom was just like, hey, that's it. Like, no more photography for you guys. And he stopped for a couple of years. And then, like, slowly, like, you know, the passion, I think, was taking over. It's like, you know, I still want to do it. I want to do, like, a family photo. We're going to be more careful with this. Uh, but that's how this whole thing started for me. So it seems like kind of similar. But I think the dark room was was one of the most fascinating components yes. of photography. Just, you know, sitting in the dark and, you know, making creating images and they were just coming out of the like blank paper it was just like a miracle. So I think those youngsters who are just shooting digital these days, they will never understand um, this process and, and how exciting that was. Yeah. I mean, darkroom to me was, was magic. Uh, I mean, I guess it was the first professional part of photography that I got to learn, but um for for most of my life until recently, um, you know, I would I would wander into the dark room after 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 dinner and uh, would suddenly be there at three in the morning, going, "Oh crap, I got to get to bed." And, <laughs> uh, you know, it was uh, yeah. It's, I've always been fascinated by the process, fascinated by the print. To me, nothing ever exists until you have a print in your hand. You know, mm-hmm. even today, I still tend to to think that way. You know. Mm-hmm. great to put an image on instagram it's great to see on the screen but it doesn't really count until i hold it and go wow that's, that's what it, it looks like that's what know? it looks like. and i think you know what is missing today is that the time of waiting for the image because you know like with the film you have to take a photo then you have to just develop it and you have to take the, the dark room and and the yeah. pro the, the the waiting time was was like a like i don't want to say like a christmas time but you know like when you're waiting for present it's like this excitement like yeah. what did i what, what i'm gonna get out of this like what what is gonna show uh i yeah. i think that's it was just like adrenaline was was kind of part of like this whole process that you were just waiting and you were just so excited what you've got right so that's I mean, oh something. for sure yeah and then and then sitting down and recreating the magic in front of you and and turning you know something into an interpretation of what you saw is is all magic yeah all magic absolutely so let's jump into the camera store um how does mm-hmm. whole thing start it because you guys have been on the market for a long time yeah um and again you guys have been extremely successful with your store um, I just want to say a couple of things because you guys were always not try to sell it, but you guys always try to teach photographers. And I remember mm-hmm. a few conversations we had uh, before I purchased my first camera. And then and, and you were like explaining, okay, what do you need this for? You know, what's the purpose? And then you were like really trying to get into the bottom. What I'm, I was clueless at this time. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea where I'm going with this. I just want to buy the camera. And I remember that was the, the biggest part. But every time when I was purchasing anything from you guys, there, there was always this this knowledge, this support, this kind of trying to understand um, what the need is. So that I think just just make a difference, you know, amongst all those other stores which are existing in Calgary. So I want to know how this whole thing started and then what's <laughs> the kind of future of the camera store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jumping back. To your to your comments, uh, I, I I strongly believe 
and we really enforce the culture, if you like, uh, for lack of better words, um, with the staff that it isn't a case of selling boxes. That's not what we do. You have to um, place the right item in someone's hand. And it, it is self-serving because honestly, if someone is is happy, if someone really gets into into photography and enjoys it, they are going to come back. They are going to turn into professionals like yourself yes. and, and so on. If you misplace it, if you upsell or undersell or sell the wrong item and they're going, oh my God, I can't figure this. This is awful. That's the end of that. So, you know, you do have to, um, uh, it's not just an ethic thing, but it is uh, a purely practical thing. You do have to uh, listen and you do have to um, use your expertise mm -hmm. to hopefully uh, set someone on the right path. And, and that still very much is a mandate of what we're about. But mm -hmm. um, but anyway, going back to how it started, um, you know, as a, as a freelance, um, you know, you, you come in and out and one minute I'm doing it full time. Next minute I'm going, okay, I have a mortgage. I have to pay. What are we going to do? And, you know, I drifted in and out of, of, of retail Mm -hmm. uh, for quite a while. Um, one of those journeys uh, was with a store in, in the town at the time um, called Camtech. Mm -hmm. And that's where I met uh, Peter, uh, who ended up being my, my partner in uh, the camera store. And uh, we worked together for, oh gosh, about four or five years in that store. And uh, then I eventually left and, and and I ended up freelancing in the movie industry for quite a while and, uh, you know, worked for Disney and Nickelodeon and, oh, wow. and, and a whole pile of people. And that kind of took me away, ended up opening up a studio and, and ended up doing that quite well. Peter ended up uh, starting off uh, the camera store mm -hmm. on his own for uh, almost three years. And, uh, you know, it, it was one of these things that had potential. And, uh, you know, it was it was very niche at the time. A lot of used, uh, a lot of suppliers wouldn't supply to him. Um, you know, the industry does tend to be somewhat of a um, an element of, of protection uh, to its existing um, clients. But uh, but we knew it had potential. And on my time off, I would help him uh, everything from inventories to stocking to <laughs> hang out in the store and so on. Um, but then after. Uh, few years um, my wife became pregnant with our first child and my life at the time was always gone so I had to decide mm -hmm. do I want to be a father uh, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing or should I change directions and at the time um, you know Peter was like we could do this so I got together and uh, sure enough uh, you know we went from being this tiny uh, two-person operation three-person operation to uh, uh, now the single biggest uh, uh, retailer, uh, photo retailer in uh, in Western Canada. Okay. So it's been an interesting uh, an interesting journey. We were very like minded, um, mm -hmm. you know. We have the same philosophy, if you like, and and uh, we managed to work well for twenty uh, some years now, twenty three wow. years, I guess. That, well. That's in a uh, nutshell. Yes, <laughs> the yes. Of a camera store. I'm sure there's a lot of upside downs, right? Yes. So, yeah. but you know, somehow I, I think that also shows that you guys were able to overcome some of those, you know, obstacles and then challenges. And then I'm, I'm sure retail is not easy place to, to, to work, right? There's a lot of stuff going on all the time. It's very true. I mean, and we took a different approach. Um, 
in that we were both in the industry and uh, sure enough, we, you know, we, we built it uh, sort of reverse from what everyone else does. Most people uh, certainly uh, back 26 years ago, um, most stores relied on photo finishing, uh, relied on consumers, uh, you know, moms and dads would drop off their film and you'd hopefully sell them a camera and all that kind of thing. We did a completely different approach because that was completely saturated. Um, we went to our colleagues, our peers, and uh, we went with pretty much pro end. And um, our clientele was was a who's who of, of um, the photo industry in um, uh, not only just Calgary, but pretty much Western Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had worked and we knew that whole area. So, uh, you know, um, the press industry was really good to us and, and freelancers, everybody was was right behind us and supporting us. So our growth was actually um, was was almost faster than we thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's really where our background and, and where our reputation of, of being a pro store comes from is that was all we did. Uh, you know, we didn't sell photo finishing but we sold the chemicals to the photo finishers mm-hmm. and um you know um, we decided that that was going to be um, an easier market to break into yeah. and um, but also yeah. you guys were a little bit ahead of the time like you know because you guys started the youtube channel which was something you know not too many places would do that right and not only that but you guys were extremely successful with with that youtube mm-hmm. channel and talking about the gear and talking about what's coming up and I think that resonates to the younger crowd, right? Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I can't put myself in the younger crowd category anymore. Um, the retiree category, maybe. But, um, but you know, we, we've always had the ability of, of um, uh, being able to listen, uh, yes. not only to our customers, but also to our staff. And uh, the, the, it's funny you say a blog or when we're doing a blog, um, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, um, we um, it started off with a 17 year old employee uh, that I had, and she's like, Can I write a blog for you guys? And I'm like, A what? You know, and she goes, Well, this is really cool because you can tell your story, you can explain things to people. And I'm like, Sure, sure try it, you know, yeah. there's nothing to lose, and um, you know, that was uh, that was oh gosh, 17 years or so ago, and uh, and Evelyn is yeah. still with, um, you know, uh, so it was one of these things that sort of grew and, and even our YouTube channel was a couple of our staff that, uh, wanted to have fun and, and started to, um, do videos about photography and, and put them out and, uh, you know, anything that, that supports photography, we're always extremely curious, be it, and not just, you know, we do the obvious of sponsoring shows and, and helping people get their work out there and, and sponsoring the schools and ACAD and, and, uh, SATE and, and universities and, and so on. Um, yeah, but, but also anything that, mm-hmm. you know, has a potential of growing and as you know yes media is just we had this conversation one time that everything you know at some point gets based to you know education right if people can learn something they can understand there's something for them to allow them to understand things better you automatically attract these people right because they know they can get this help you know they get support they can understand things better um, and I think it, it comes to like, like literally every industry, right? If you mm-hmm. don't have any kind of some kind of educational part of, 
or element of your business where you help your clients or, or customers or you know even viewers to 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 uh, kind of understand things better like you're going nowhere right that's the kind of yeah. should be based on everything so i want to ask you about because this is something what i'm kind of always intriguing how this transition from film to digital when based on um, the retail part because i know there was a huge shift right i remember even for myself i bought this camera i was i think shooting for a couple of years and this whole digital kind of came to place and just a funny story i sold my nikon uh, f100 to a guy in bonus who he had like a, he was a butcher and, you know, he says, okay, I'll buy this camera from you. And I knew, like, this is the last minute because this this digital is taking over. And, you know, like, year from now, this camera is going to be worth nothing. So yeah. like, I got rid of it. And he paid me half of it. And the second half, he paid me in sausage, believe it or not. <laughs> 40 kilos of sausage. And I was eating this, whole, this sausage for, like, almost a year. But... Um, I was like, yeah, let's let let's do it. I don't care. He gave me this like you know store credit, whatever, and I was just like, keep keep buying this stuff from him. Uh, but okay. I just want to know from your perspective, how this whole thing like was a shock for you guys? Because I know there are some people who are like kicking and screaming that digital is never going to be kind of I don't know successful. It's just a kind of temporary thing. Mm -hmm. um, the quality is not there, and all this stuff. We knew it's going to eventually get better. Um, but like how you saw this whole shift in photography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly watched it from the beginning. We never really got into it heavy until our, our customers said. We always said we will go into it as the industry goes into it as opposed mm -hmm. to be a pioneer. So there was already, everybody was already having, you know, a tremendous amount of shelf space, experimenting with getting stuff out. And we had the odd one or two, but we really waited. Uh, our first push into it, so to speak, was indeed the press industry um, mm -hmm. with these horrifically poor quality 40,000 plus uh, bodies uh, that were like Nikon and uh, bodies with this massive Kodak uh, attachment to it that had uh, poorer quality than the worst iPhone uh, or the worst uh, cell phone you've ever seen um, coming out of them. It really was quite funny. But you know, for their application, it was perfect. So that was, I guess, our first you know, fall into it and uh, but um, as far as uh, the rest, uh, certainly as it became more and more mainstream, uh, we ramped up immediately. You know, we had we was uh, we became an Apple uh, reseller at the time too, because obviously we figured, you know, it's like the darkroom. You know, when you have a digital file, you're going to need a computer. So we sold computers at the time and mm -hmm. went into all that. Personally, ironically. Um, I wasn't a fan of digital for a long time. I kept shooting my uh, my Hasselblad, my Rolly, my Leicas, and kept uh, processing film um, for for a long time. It's only really recently that I actually shut down the the darkroom. But a lot of that was nothing to do with the quality I could achieve or the quality that I saw, um, but the process. Um, you know, I. Uh, for the last 20 some years, I've done photography um, as, as, as an enjoyment, as a fine art. And um, so the process to me is, uh, is everything. And, and even now I tend to work differently from, I would say most consumers, although I do shoot digital now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it was, as I say, it was one of those things. It went, it did go remarkably fast. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still a niche and this. We still sell a ton of film. Funny story. The last couple of years with COVID, film sales and film cameras have gone through the roof. Yes. Uh, you know, film cameras now are double what they were before COVID. And our film sales are probably pretty much double too. And chemistry, oh, we've got chemistry lines and we did a few years ago. It's, um, it's, it's definitely renegated to a uh, fine art status, but mm-hmm. it is still there. Oh, so it's not, it's not dead yet, right? Completely. No. I don't think it ever will be, you know, it'd be like saying, um, you know, I don't think records will ever be dead and, and, and so on. But, you know, it's like mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, um, oil paints or acrylics better than oil or, or whatever. I mean, you can do that in any art. It's um, everything mm-hmm. has its place. And a lot of that is is the process uh, yeah. and the way you feel as an artist using Absolutely. whatever medium you choose. Yes. Yeah. Well, it seems like those things they just go away because this. I think this this hype at the beginning, right? And I remember even yes. with film, they're like predicting, oh, like those companies they're never going to produce film anymore and then stuff like that. But they still do. Actually, I watched this amazing video um, on one of the YouTube channels when where they went actually to the Kodak um, factory where they make film and they were showing mm-hmm. how the whole thing looked like. Uh, quite fascinating just to kind of see it the process and then how much work goes into it and and, and like yeah it, it, it was kind of kind of fascinating to see this from kind of because we never seen access we never seen stuff like that right like yeah. you know back in the days we didn't have youtube channel where and then i think all those companies they keep <laughs> this like, the secret as well right so they're just like yeah you know, it's in and stuff like that so that's yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, it, it has changed, too. Um, I don't think film will ever go, but it, on a side note, it changes. It goes from being a mass production uh, item to a very niche item. So, you know, we've seen prices go through the roof um, <laughs> on, uh, on all sensitized material. Um, you know, as the quantity goes down uh, and it becomes more of a specialized product, things change and evolve. But... But yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's going to go any time. Uh, it's going to go away anytime soon. That's for sure. If forever, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, so my next question, I want to talk a little bit about your photography. Mm-hmm. So what inspires you? And I'm gonna just pull up. I'm gonna add to the stream. Your Instagram. Yeah, I mean nowadays. Let's, let's talk about you now. um when i first became a i don't know can i say retired professional (laughs) when i switched my focus from uh shooting for a living to um to running a store um you know i i used to do a typical uh, i would shoot a lot when i went on the trips i would try and uh, you know if we went to to new york on a buying trip or or cologne to to uh, show, uh, I would take a camera and I would shoot a bunch and, and, and that was it. But as my life evolved and I ended up moving out to the country, um, just south of the city, I ended up uh, uh, having horses and getting roped into a whole different world uh, mm-hmm. that's taken over my life. And I started carrying a camera with me again, which was uh, nice. And uh, for the last, oh gosh, I don't know, 10 years, Mm -hmm. I'm rarely seen without a camera over my shoulder now. And um, living in Alberta, uh, living rural in Alberta, there's times when I'm even driving into work and I suddenly stop, I see a scene 
and I'm, I pull over, start taking pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. When I used to teach and lecture in photography, I used to always say, you know, light is everything. You can drive it by the same spot, you know, a hundred times and not notice. And then one day, it's a different time of day and the light's a little different. And you can mm-hmm. be at the golden light, be at a backlight, be at whatever. Everything suddenly looks alive. So I'm very much a believer in if you have a camera with you, Mm-hmm. You can catch all these moments, and and uh, yeah, that's that's what really turns me on now is is yeah. is showing people um, how beautiful uh, the prairies are mainly, but also anywhere I go. If I go, I just got back home from England. Oh God, I say back home. I haven't lived there for years, but I just got back from England, and uh, you know, again, same thing. I took a camera where, there with me everywhere, but mostly. Um, it's day to day. It's my daughter riding. It's uh, uh, me riding. It's uh, you mm-hmm. know my jeep sitting in a field that I've just driven across. Um, it's just stuff that's happening. It's somebody walking their horses back to the barn. Uh, it's whatever I see. I, I pull over. So Should why I... black and white? Because this is also a, like well, you need to look at the world completely different way, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we see in color and black and white is a completely different thing. And I also think that color is extremely destructive, right? Like it's just kind of gets gives a little bit of a different feel to the image. Black and white is kind of more pure and then something that just evokes emotions and then just kind of gives you a completely different feel to mm-hmm. the image. So you, you've been always shooting black and white. That's your kind of passion or that's kind of evolve over the time yeah yeah maybe it's lack of imagination i don't know but uh, but no i started off in black and white obviously um 45 years ago 48 years ago um black and white was kind of the the norm Uh, Certainly in the press industry, that's all we ever did. And um, then as I was freelancing, uh, it always seemed, and certainly in the movie industry, it seemed that uh, when I was working, I shot color. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, when I went on a trip or when I shot for myself, I seemed to always gravitate back to black and white. Mm -hmm. My background in in darkroom, I felt a lot more creative uh, in black and white, a lot more control in black and white. So I, I've always tended to um, to be able to express myself, if you like, and mm-hmm. um, and tell a story better in black and white than I do color. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's same. Maybe it's lack of imagination. I don't know, but it's. Um, well, I think we have to have a little way I can see to transfer those images because you. I'm sure you see world differently, right? By shooting black and yeah. white, you have to analyze the scene from completely different perspective, and then. I think yeah. it's opposite. It's funny when I've gone on a trip or shot with other photographers and colleagues, um, you know, it, we always seem to joke, you know, they see a red door on the street and I see a gray door on yeah. the street. I see the light coming across the windows above it. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, um, um, it's, it's, as I say, it's just something that's in me and, and um, I tend to, tend to migrate absolutely so who inspire you as a photographer um i'm sure do you have a variety someone who kind of um, build on your kind of because i know 
when we started, I don't know how about you, but I remember I was fascinated to kind of go through photography books and also like, I hope you're not going to be upset with me, but whenever I go to the camera store, you also have a section with books, which is kind of yes. rare for any other places. Yeah. Um, and I, whenever I was just waiting or whatever, I used to kind of come in and grab some books and kind of go for them. Um, so there's, first of all, lots of amazing books, but going back to the question, um, when you were starting your photography journey, um, is there anybody who kind of like, well, this is the images where I really like someone who like really inspire you as a photographer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was. Um, I take inspiration from a lot of books. Um, I am mm -hmm. a, an avid photo book collector. I have a massive wall at home in my okay. office of, of photo books. So I, I, I love photo books. Um, but uh, definitely two, uh, my, I guess my two main influences in life, one was a British photographer, Michael Kenner, that shot uh, square black and white, um, uh, <laughs> go figure, and uh, Elliot Erwitt uh, that shot a lot of street uh, and, and, and stuff, but often with a comical approach um, or an air of uh, tongue in cheek. These two are probably, I would say, my strongest influences. Um, but um, uh, Edward Weston, Brett Weston um, would be up in there too. But, but I, I love photography. I mean, Instagram uh, you know, was almost forced into me. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really into social media thing. And then I started looking and found an amount of amazing photographers there and how you can hook up with photographers that think and, and like the same sort of stuff that you do. Um, you know, it, it's just incredible. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm influenced by, by everything, um, everything around me. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. You know, around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, social media, of course, has pros and cons. There's no question about it, but I 100% yes. agree with you that um, you have access to so many amazing photographers. And then I, I think back in the days, I'm sure like, you know, I think the biggest story, which we could kind of mention here is what is her name? Vegan Mayer. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure the guy who like, he bought those films on some auction or whatever, and then, like go through this. And it's like amazing, amazing story. So whoever haven't seen the documentary, highly recommend it. I think that she even, she even have her exhibition in Calgary in Glenmore. Yes, she did at the Glenbow. Yeah. Uh, it was an amazing exhibit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think back in the days, a lot of people were just hiding their photography. Now we are allowed to expose, you know, the stuff on social media or anywhere. And people can really easily access those images and take a look and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Vivian Mayer is, is kind of a classic example. You know, we always tend to to think of the people that influences the most. And as they say, you know, I have my few that, that influenced me as a youngster, but now um, it doesn't have to be. I mean, Vivian May was a nanny. A nanny, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she never showed her pictures to anybody. She never shot for anyone, and and was end up being one of the most prolific street photographers and an incredible body of work, walking mm -hmm. around uh, walking around the streets with a with a rolly uh, around her neck. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so yeah. Imagery and, and inspiration um, comes from everywhere. But you're right. Right now. Uh, it's it's incredible the, the the access we have to some amazing influences in the strangest places. I follow some 
people um, that are nothing to do with with industry. I follow a lot of people that are into horses, and there's some, uh, you know, there's a couple. There's a housewife that um, just shoots stuff uh, in color, ironically. But I'm I'm always fascinated. It's like, wow, how did you ever get to be so good? Um, you know, so it, is, it doesn't have to be an, an established uh, photographer. Um, there's some incredible, incredible heartfelt uh, imagery um, all around us for easy access nowadays, if you take the time. Yes, well, that's, and I think that the, the, the gear part is kind of, I'm not saying off the table, but people have much easier access to, you know, creating images, right? It's much easier. You have a flip the phone, you can use professional camera, but um the quality is getting better it's just as you said it's just a time it's an effort and just a learning process a little bit into this um but i think photography becoming like a huge part of our life it doesn't matter you're photographer or not everyone is just taking photos i i i even have seen something that every hour we produce more images that the last i don't know 100 years or something like there's like <laughs> millions and millions or even billions images getting kind of uploaded to all those social media which is yeah. insane like if you really think about it it's it's all about photography like you know yeah yeah even even like i've noticed and i'm sure you've seen this like you know the most kind of important moments where we could enjoy it just kind of like for our eyes people flip the phones and they try to capture yeah. it right it's just yeah just can kind of remember the moment yeah yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I mean, I may live in a visual world and I've always lived for photography, yeah. but I, I do find that really bizarre, you know, when um, I, I don't know, I, I, we seem to lose the ability to live in the moment. We seem to try and want to capture something that a billion other people have caught. I, I don't yeah. understand that part, but each to his own as long as you're having yeah. fun that's fine <laughs> you absolutely know. so i have a question about because you've done a lot of interesting projects in your life is there any project which is kind of special for you or means something to you could you like share i don't know maybe one or a couple of those yeah i mean everyone always expects me to go back to to the movie industry days and, and mm -hmm. you know as a stills photographer it was interesting because you got to go around a lot and you got uh, crazy access to a lot of interesting situations and stuff. But, um, but photographically, honestly, um, the thing that interests me the most is whatever I'm going to be doing next. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, I, I, the body of work I'm the most proud of, honestly, is, um, is, is stuff around my place within a few miles radius of, of where I live. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the if, if I would think, I would hope if there's any legacy um, of my work, be it from my family point of view or, or whoever else, um, it is... Um, you know, capturing life on, on the prairies with, uh, with my animals <laughs> and my yeah. family. Um, it's, uh, to me, that is the stuff that I find uh, uh, most inspiring to myself and uh, uh, the thing I enjoy the most at the moment. Maybe that'll change. You know, COVID is, has definitely made that uh, more prominent in that no one's traveled for years. Yeah. Um, you know, as I say, I may have just got back from a trip, but it was the first trip in, in almost mm -hmm. four years. Um, you know, and I used to travel two or three times a year. 
I don't, I can't even see myself doing that anymore. I, I uh, have learned to, to, um, to have my, uh, my creative juices um, filled with, um, with a lot more simple stuff that's right in front of me. And, uh, I think a lot of people learned that too. You know, you don't have to go around the world. Um, there's, you know, there's people coming from around the world to try and come and see what you live in. And mm-hmm. I think we all tend to forget that. And, and I think a lot of people yeah. have stopped and gone, wow. I live in an amazing part of the world. And we do here in, in Alberta, Calgary. I mean, you know, you can be in the mountains, you can cross into Saskatchewan and be in the desert, you can be in prairies, you can, I mean, whatever you want to see, um, a modern city, whatever's turning you on, you can find if you take a moment to look, yeah. you know. And why should we leave someone else traveling across the world into a strange environment to try and capture what we live and breathe? I say, carry a camera with you. Watch for these moments. And um, I think most people would be shocked uh, mm-hmm. what they see if they do take the, the moment to, yeah. to to enjoy where they live. I think because, you know, we, we're kind of used to it, right? And that's why, like, mm-hmm. we see it every day. And, but we don't take a moment to really, I don't know, absorb, you know, the, the, the place where we live. And then I can yeah. share my story because um, I've, I think two two years ago, I started cycling a little bit around the Fish Creek Park, and it, it's kind of sad from one hand because I I was just like, well, Fish Creek Park, everyone is like, you know, going to Fish Creek Park. But then actually, when you take your bike and you kind of start kind of wandering around and then see some of those places, it's it's amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, I hooked my wife on it because she also like used to go for walks but we never kind of were able to really travel through some of those places and, and it's fascinating but also what i want to point out which i think is extremely important which you, which you just said that i know the COVID just kind of pushed everything back and kind of pulled some breaks on our life but I think admiring, you know, the, the close surroundings where we live is extremely important because that's what I think helped so many of us to go for that time, right? Because, you know, oh, we, I can go on a vacation. I can go to Mexico. I can go to the country where, you know, where I lived before. I know it's tough and, and you, you couldn't go. But finding that happiness and finding beauty of the place where we live, I think, that should be kind of written on everybody's door that, you know, remember, you know, before you start looking beauty in other places, you have to find beauty in the place where you live. And if you can do that, then you can really enjoy. Okay. So the images behind me sort of over my shoulder there um, are uh, around the ranch. Um, You know, they're at home and uh, I, I rotate them through, but, but they're nearly always images of, of home. Um, uh, you know, the same thing, it's, it reminds me, um, uh, that, you know, it is, everything is right in front of me, right in front of me. So basically what you're saying, your project is ongoing. There's yes. Never, yes. Or, there's Hopefully still. till the day I die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the best project is, uh, is yet to come, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. um, you know, and that's why you you do it. I don't do it because I'm thinking I'm going to repeat the same thing or, or catch something that, um, you know, no one's seen. I do it because I'm still trying to tell a story. I'm still enjoying, 
um, life. And, um, you know, I want to leave that message that, you know what, it's all around us. Yeah. But also I think, you know, um, you can go to the same places. And this is what I discover even in our Fish Creek Park. You can go to the same places, but there's different lighting, different clouds, different yes. time of the day. Changes everything, right? Even the time of the year. And then you can just, every time when you go to those places, there's something different, something new, something inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just enjoying those places and those moments and stopping for a second and just snap the photo, um, it's, it's fascinating. So... Yeah, it's funny you say Fish Creek Park. There's a photographer in town. He's a a professional photographer for many years, very successful guy. Uh, Lots of projects, books. Um, His his, uh, images have been all kinds of museums and galleries across North America. But for the last uh, few years, I've noticed him working on a project on Nose Hill, uh, you know, which is a hill in uh, northwest of Calgary uh, with a bit of park area. And some of the images he's got out of there, you're like, wow you know they could be anywhere in the world if you traveled you know halfway across the world and pulled an image like that off you'd be ecstatic um again it's it is but it takes time to find as you said those moments right it takes a lot of work to well discover those places kind of see them different way find for those special moments of the day where the light is just perfect and then you can snap the photo so i think it takes a lot of hard work to kind of fit into this specific moment to capture a specific place, specific way to get this unique image, right? No, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about future of photography because let's mm-hmm. start. I don't want to go into COVID. Um, I know there's one of the topics where people want to talk about it, but how you guys survive this whole thing, because it seems like, was tough time for every, I think for like every industry got hit one way or another, mm-hmm. but photography, I think was really hit hard, right? Because even for me, everything just shut down overnight. Like literally that was well going business. And then the next morning it's, it's all kind of done. Right. So yeah. how your, your side of the story, how does you guys kind of manage to kind of go through that difficult time? It was it was definitely different. Um, you know, we we ended up laying off thirty people, going wow. down to a skeleton staff and uh, doing curbside pickup. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, I ended up uh, being the one running back and forth to out the door to people and and uh, you know, with a handful of of some staff. Um, you know, but you you do whatever it is to survive, and then we slowly come back. It's a funny thing though, because the amount of people that come to me and goes, "Oh, you must have done really well over COVID," because everybody's taking pictures, mm-hmm. which is funny. The thing I think that everyone forgets is that everyone was taking pictures, but they were taking pictures with their own gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody was going travel. Nobody was doing anything unusual. So nobody was really investing in new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were investing in some mics. Uh, for uh, broadcasting at home, uh, maybe a bit of I'll lighting. From you guys. I'll just so you know. <laughs> um, but reality, um, you know, no one was was switching camera systems and stuff to stay at home. Um, you know, they were playing with whatever they've got. The only in weird one there, as I mentioned earlier, was was film. Is people mm-hmm. were suddenly, uh, you know, digging out their old darkroom and doing something that you know they suddenly had time on their hands, so they were playing around with that. 
then that did change. But there, again, that really wasn't really affecting us so much because they were buying cameras on eBay. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, cameras that were discontinued and not made for 20 years, uh, you know, 30 years, 40 years even, um, was suddenly the, the, the craze. But uh, once things picked up, um, you know, and, and people started going, okay, I'm getting into this. Maybe I should change my gear. Uh, we had supply chain issues because, of course, we weren't mm-hmm. the only people closed. All the factories, doesn't matter where you were in the world, you were probably closed at one point and, uh, you know, suffering staff shortages and stock item shortages and so on. So supply chain became an impossibility and it still is pretty hard uh, today. Um, But moving along to today, um, you know, people are starting to travel again. Uh, People are now looking at mirrorless. So, you know, anyone that's got a DSLR is going, geez, maybe I should buy a smaller, lighter, better camera. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, demand for that style of camera is is through the roof, uh, more so than than supply. Um, But that will get better. And, and, you know, we've managed to to hire back uh, most of our staff and some new staff. And, and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty hopeful unless there's a, you know, another COVID number, God knows what, over the Christmas yeah. season. I um, think we all lost the count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone, some number. I don't even know if we're single or double digits anymore. Yes. But, um, uh, you know, we're pretty hopeful that the, this season will um, be a good one. And, and going into next year, we've all learned to live with COVID to some degree. It's part of our life. And no. um, I think, um, I think, the future of this industry looks looks Probably. good. I mean, I'm pretty hopeful that we will we will go on. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny too because people say, "Well, I'm sure phones have killed your industry," and it's funny because I really disagree with that. I mean, it's killed you know the staples and and the, all the the bottom end industry uh, because point and shoots and a cell phone is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. But if anything, it's actually helped the high end industry because. People take pictures with their phones and they're like, oh, this is so good. And they suddenly realize, holy, I'm actually pretty good. And people will say, God, if you had a good camera, you would be amazing. And all of a sudden they start going, hmm, maybe. Or they try and print something and they go, well, it looked really good on my phone. It looks really good on Instagram, but it looks pretty crappy as a big print. Uh, kind of hanging on their wall so it inspires them to actually get into photography and we've had a ton of people it's like a i think phones are like a little bit of entry level like low-end entry-level cameras to get them it's like people bought a point and shoot once upon a time and then realized that they liked it the difference being is not everyone had a point and shoot whereas Mm -hmm. everybody pretty much has a camera on their cell phone so all of a sudden we've been you know photography's been exposed to 99.99% 99.99% of the population from, mm-hmm. you know, whatever age up, uh, eight, nine years old and up. You know, the kid's photographing his buddy skateboarding over a ramp as he's crawling around going, this is so cool. I wish I had a really wide angle, a better, faster shutter speed. And a ba-. all of a sudden, you know, they're wandering in here as, as teenagers with their parents in tow going, well, he thinks he needs a camera that shoots 20 frames a second and, and is, mm-hmm. you know, 20 some megapixels and yeah how it all starts so i i think the industry is evolving but i think it's uh, i don't think it's going anywhere uh, anytime soon because the better phones get better cameras get it all is exponential 
Yeah, and I think also you know the the, the, the phones they have still a lot of flaws and, and limitations, as you said, right? So yes. it's it's a good starting point. Um, I I also agree with you that this industry doesn't go anywhere. I think that the mentality changed a little bit, right? And there's mm-hmm. like a different approach to a lot of those things. But I think still because you you cannot really buy being creative this is something which you have to develop this is something yes. which you have to learn right and yes. um, that takes time and this is also I, I and i know there's i don't want to say two types of photographers but there's ones who really focus on the gear it's just like they're like i remember mm-hmm. my dad he loved taking photos but the gear and the equipment was just like a, his baby you know it was like he was mm-hmm. taking care of and then looking after and then you know I don't know, just 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 looking into all these little details, but there's also photographers who, you know, they 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 pushing their creative life. They don't really think about you know settings and all this stuff, but they want to create stuff. They want to take images, and I think they need to have some kind of control. And I think we all grow up to this stuff, right? Because I remember when I started photography, you know, I was buying stuff accordingly to my needs, right? So you're starting yes. with like point and shoot and then okay this is not enough i need this and then it's like you know the more you know the more knowledgeable you are the more stuff you need right and you need more <laughs> better stuff right? that way yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. So what is the the future of photography like looking at the transition you know like we went for film we talked a little bit about it to digital now we're going to mirrorless um now also the, the those companies they're pushing the, the the pixel counts those images become so huge that it's just crazy um the quality is is also going straight to the roof um so what's your prediction the next few years what do we can expect from photography industry and manufacturers yeah i mean it's it's a it's a tough one the the, okay. the big uh um, difference and that we start to see a lot now, of course, is, is AI, artificial intelligence mm-hmm. uh, coming in uh, to the point where, you know, it sees a subject, it'll tell you, uh, it'll lock on its eyes or its face if the eyes mm-hmm. are closed, uh, if they've got a helmet on, uh, they'll track it through your frame. Uh, it'll, if you're shooting pets, it'll find a dog in the image for you, it'll lock on the dog and change, chase wow. it or birds or whatever. And that, that part is getting more and more and more sophisticated, literally almost every few months. And uh, but it still has a long way to go. But but having said that, some of the AI stuff and some of the AI focusing and and the exposure control because it knows what it's shooting uh, is is phenomenal. And that's going to uh, be a, a the first big wave of of changes. Gear is getting a lot smaller, uh, lighter, and uh, and as you say better um megapixels is an interesting one because for the for a while there everyone figured you know the more megapixels the better and and now people are starting to go yeah you know what i don't want it because i don't want to have to take over my dining room table with you know uh forty thousand dollars worth of computer system just to process Mm -hmm. an image uh in a in a timely manner and uh, and store all this so they start to actually realize that yeah maybe not uh depends on what it is uh, so that's been an interesting thing, um, but but there's there's multiple camps there. There's people that earn their living from photography and have a specific need. Uh, you know, sports photographer is going to be very different from uh, portrait photographer. And then there's people like myself um, that um, you know want to slow down. I mean, ironically, 
I own a camera store that carries any photo piece of equipment made, uh, you know, $40,000 house of lads down it. We have everything. Mm-hmm. But I use a manual uh, camera. I use manual shutter speeds, apertures, and manual focus. I don't even have an autofocus camera that I carry around with me. I play around with everything because I have access to it. But um, when I go, um, when I walk around with something, it is it is a manual everything camera. And so there's the other extreme that people enjoy the process and want the process of whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's kind of interesting. It's going kind of both directions, right? One direction mm-hmm. is literally dumbing you down so you don't have to just look at things, point at something, and the camera will do the rest. But there's like people like you. And I think it's kind of a little bit old school because I'm kind of the same. We like have full control, right? Of the That's out of part of the creative process, you know, to me. Yeah. I lose control of that. I lose some of the creative process. Mm-hmm. It's funny too. I mean, I, as I say, I shoot digital. But uh, I will rarely look at the images on the back of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go home. I will download the card, then look at it. I just don't like looking at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because people that have shot or see me shoot going, why wouldn't you do that? And I, I mean, I will if, there's, if something is catching my eye. I'm like, did I catch that? Did, was it in there? I might look. But I hate it in the creative process. And mm-hmm. to me... The reason is, is when I see something, your first instinct is to, to look, you frame it up and you shoot. In the old film days, when I didn't know what I got, I would keep looking and I would reframe, reshoot, relook, maybe change my angle. But I'd keep working with that, be it clouds, be it a landscape, be it something moving. It doesn't really matter. The process was the same. I was always watching and trying to get a better shot. What I found when I first started shooting digital, and that's probably one of the reasons I didn't jump in digital very much uh, in, in a big way in the beginning, is that I would shoot it, I would look at the back and go, oh, I got it, awesome. Yeah. And I'd walk away. And then I'd get back later and I'd be going, hmm, damn, I wonder why I didn't shoot it more from this side. I wonder why I didn't wait. I wonder why. And so I always seemed to be doing okay, but not being as creative as I was. So yeah, I literally stopped looking and I suddenly realized that was a big factor is that, you know, don't, uh, if you don't look, you keep creating. And then later on, I'll look back and sure enough, I look and sometimes it is the first image that's the best, but often it's like, oh my God, I'm glad I kept shooting because the fourth and fifth images are like a hundred times better than that first image. And Mm -hmm. would have I stopped if I thought I'd got it? Yeah. Probably, but history has taught me that, yeah, I most of the time I figured I got it, I moved on. So, yeah. again, it's all process and everyone is different. You know, that same uh, application may be completely um, inappropriate and foreign to someone else. Everyone's different. You know what? I think, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think this is kind of old habit from the film, right? And I know the film mm-hmm. is gone for a long time, but um, even for me, I don't look. You know, I like I get couple exposures so I know the lighting is right, shooting like headshots. But then also like I don't look and I'm because again, you just look at it, you get this like instant gratification. Oh, I got this and you're done. And then I think the real analyst kind of comes when you, you know, download those images, you look at them and then you can like kind of slowly process them. Okay, this is what I what I got. And I think this also comes from the cell phone industry, right? Because you want to, um, take a photo, you're going to look at it right away and okay, that's it, right? 
but that's mm-hmm. just completely eliminating um, the creative process, the kind of finding different angles, finding different, I don't know, things to kind of capture a little bit different way. So I think it's a good habit. I, I, I wish more people could have that. But again, I think that also comes with the time, right? Like if you start seeing that, well, you know, the stuff what you see on the back of the screen is not exactly what you see on your computer. And I think that's the, the biggest thing because mm-hmm. I even shooting weddings sometimes. I remember I was shooting, oh, I got these amazing shots. And then I went back home, look at those images and there's something wrong about them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, it def- you're right. It definitely helps with, um, uh, with the experience. But, um, you know, all photographers are different. Everybody has a different process. And everybody has a different end game, uh, really, is also what it boils down to. Um, you know, it's um, me looking at a color image on the back of my readout compared to what I'll end up doing with it by the time I process it and print it is... Mm almost foreign, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more advantageous for me not to break concentration into that moment I'm trying to achieve uh, mm-hmm. by taking myself away out of that and back and forth. I find it a lot more, uh, and, and certainly I could see that for, for headshots and portraits. I mean, I, a lot of my living was that, uh, but you you really do have to feed off that model, off that subject um, 100%. Um, to, to get that feeling, it isn't just a purely technical thing where, yep, image is gone. I mean, it is if you're doing a passport, I guess, but but yeah. not if you're trying to create uh, something like your headshots that are so um, so personal. Uh, that is a work that you have to um, uh, you know keep on on working with that subject to to to, to achieve it. Yeah, well, the, the the equipment becomes just a tool, right? But I think the connection, and I think doesn't matter what we're shooting. You can shoot a headshot, portrait, wedding, um, landscape, whatever we do. I think it's just the connection with, you know, the outside world, I, I deeply believe, right? Yeah. And the camera is just a tool which expressed that, right? Absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah, the process is, a, is, a, is, a, is a definitely one thing. But I think this is the next level of photography, right? Because I think at the beginning, we always focus and, and then again, this is like everyone goes through the same process, I guess, that, you know, it's the equipment first. We want to get this exposure right and we want to do framing right. Yeah. But then when you kind of figure that part out, it's becoming your second nature. Then is the time to kind of open yourself to the world and then to whatever you're photographing. And then mm-hmm. you can try to connect with it and then and, and just capture it. Right. So mm-hmm. that's the next level. Perfect. No, it's true. Once you know, once you know the technique techniques of it and you know the the science of it uh that is becomes a very secondary and very unimportant uh uh part of the process absolutely because people often say but aren't you scared of missing shots being uh you know manual focused and so on and i'm always like i don't know have you ever driven a standard car it's the same thing you know you never got to work driving a standard going okay i shifted to third going around that corner and down to second and you just you just just do it there and you're like yeah, I guess I did shift gears, but it's yeah. not something that you're constantly registering, you know, it's it's just something you do because that's how you have to make yourself go forward. Yeah. And, and I think photography, um, if you do it enough, that's yeah. what it also becomes. I think just your brain doing, right? Like when it comes to the car, yeah. um, like you just don't, you don't even think about it. You know what I mean? No. You just like, 
you're just flying through you're just shifting like on the back on your head like this whole process i think is happening and i think it's, this, that's it's a good comparison it's the same uh, the same thing and to me it's the same thing Never. as talking that part of it i really is it just happens because i've been doing it for 40 some years um but uh, but the creative part is the tough part and it's a bit that is absorbing 99% of my brain uh, at that moment. The only thing happening in my my eyes is is how my subjects are moving or how the clouds are moving or how the light is hidden across whatever I'm photographing. That is absorbing all my my uh, my brain, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So is there any upcoming exhibitions where we can see actual prints? The last one was literally uh, a month before COVID. Um, I must admit, I haven't really um, uh, put one in. Um, you know, we have uh, exposure coming up in February. I did toy with doing something or not, but um, I, I have a feeling that um, unless something pops up uh, that mm -hmm. catches my eye, I'm afraid I'm probably going to uh, to uh, miss uh, certainly the beginning of next year. But I'd like to get back into showing some stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, uh, as I said earlier, um, you know, photography is about the print, is about the image. And maybe that's from my darkroom background, I don't know. But um, I get the most satisfaction when I'm holding a print and I'm looking going, yes. I, I like to, um, I mean, that's when it feels like a finished product or a piece mm -hmm. of art. Until then, it's, it's an image but it doesn't have the same emotional tie to me as, uh, as, as when I'm holding a finished product. In yeah. So I like to show that for sure. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about it because I think last time when I saw you was um, at the exposure and where, you know, there's like this mm -hmm. big exhibition with different artists, different photographers. And um, I, I, I think that was just like not only amazing, you know, uh, exhibition, but also I think allows you to really focus on specific image because like when we watch things on instagram or social media we're just scrolling right it's like one or even a fraction of the second and we move on to the next thing but exhibition like force you to you know look at the image analyze it enjoy it not to mention you can talk to other people you can share some of your experience your feelings i think it's a completely different experience to kind of absorbing photography right very much so. I mean, you know, you, we are bombarded with thousands of images every day, um, you know, but uh, but you're right. I noticed uh, uh, going back to that last exhibit um, that I did for exposure, it's, you know, you get people that are walking slowly over the, 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 the dozen images that are hanging and uh, they're stopping and they're staring at it and they'll go on and then they'll come back and relook at it again. And you just don't do that uh, when you're flipping through um, you know one of a thousand images you're going to absorb that day uh, or even flipping through a book uh, you know you tend to be just going through them and yeah, I, I, I do um, I do like that uh, pause it gives you with um, with the gallery and of course the openings when you actually get and talk to them and and you get to hear their stories oh. and get to hear your stories is is priceless as an artist that's what you oh. feed on Absolutely. You know, that's what keeps your creative juices going. Yeah. Right and I also think that, you know, every image has some story behind it, which the viewer don't know, right? As yeah. you like mentioned, oh, you just, you know, drove somewhere, you stop, you see those scene, and then, you know, you were just capturing. So there's like a little story behind it. 
which I think is fascinating, as you said, that, you know, maybe you can talk to the, the photographer and then they can share some of those, you know, stories behind each image and they can give you some bigger picture, you know, how the image comes to existence. I think that gives you kind of a little bit of different perspective and understanding of the picture, right? Because we see it, yeah. we just kind of take it the way we see it, but we don't see, you know, the kind of how deep that might be. And, you know, there might be some interesting story behind it, but that only photographer can kind of yes. know and then share it, right? No, it's very true, very true. I mean, you know, it's it's funny. You can be looking at an image going, yeah, that's kind of cool. And, and then, uh, you know, a lot of the images... Uh, and, and some of the prairie stuff I shoot is off the back of a horse, <laughs> you know, yeah. just because that's my vantage point at that point, uh, you know, and it's and things like that. So it's 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 always um, it's always funny to hear and to share, um, you know, what it is. People expect you to set up a tripod and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, actually, that was just something that happened to come across and. Yeah. Of course, knows well enough to stand still when he's told to, and <laughs> I took the image from the top. I didn't even bother to get off, uh, sort of thing. But um, not always. But you know, uh, case in point being, as I say, you can. Um, uh, it, it is sometimes quite interesting to see the thought process behind what happens. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so I think we're just running a little bit over time. So my last question to you is: What would be what would be the advice to young photographer, someone who is starting off, they want to, and I'm not saying they, they, they have to be professional, but someone who just pick up the camera and they want to enjoy photography. They want to explore it a little bit. So what would be your advice after X amount of years being in this industry on both sides uh, from the retail and, you know, from kind of, well, from the photography perspective, like what would you say to that person? Um, the biggest thing by far is, is carry a camera, take lots of pictures and doesn't matter if it's a cell phone or whatever, take lots of pictures, stop and look at what you're doing and follow your heart. If, if you think you're telling a story, keep at it. If you're not keep at it to try and figure out how to tell that story. And often that will be a case of looking at images that, of things that you're interested in and see how, Oh, that's how they're achieving. That's why I feel that way. And, and slow down, look at at what is what is out there, and um, keep working at it. But practice, 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 practice. practice. Doesn't matter. Equipment is a minor thing. It's the art of actually doing it and training your eye to do it. And and um, believe in yourself. You know, keep pushing away. Absolutely. I was reading this book lately, Atomic Habits. I don't know you you've read that one. And no. in one of those chapters, um, they actually, the, the, uh, the author was talking about the experiment they've done, I think, in, in England, um, where the professor divided group to two kind of like a, well, two groups. One of group had to create um, X amount of images to pass the course. And that was, I think, a limit now, the minimum of 100 images. And the other group had to create one image, but it has to be like, you know, kick ass, the best image they can possibly, yeah. you know, create. They have to do some mood boards, whatever. And I, I don't know, after four months, after this kind of like process, um, they discovered that people who produce more images, those images were way better than creating just one image. So they were like saying that, you know, the more you think, the more you try to analyze it, 
it's not really helping your creative process. It's not making your images better. The actual way to achieve better images is just keep shooting. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? You're learning from it. You move on to the next thing. And it was kind of fascinating because it's kind of tells you that sometimes we just overthink some of those stuff. We just, I don't know, plan it and we try to picture some of the stuff in our head. But actually, as you said, the best way is just carrying the camera, keep shooting, and that's how we can improve everything. Yeah. Um, big believer. <laughs> Thank you so much, Juliana, for your time, for all your input. That was um, amazing conversation. I, I really and truly enjoyed it. Um, I will see you probably around the camera store. I'll probably visit you <laughs> shopping. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. I will link all those informations to your work, uh, to the camera store. I know, like, people know know the store anyways, but just to kind of give them a little bit of... Excellent. No, thank you very much. It was, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I, um, it was a, a, great, uh, a great chat. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care.